Michigan State schedules a few games that today's fifth graders will eventually be playing in. Hamp Fate enters the transfer portal, and then, yes, we are joined by national champion. That's right, Josh Kramer of the MSU Dodgeball team for segments two and three. Let's go. You are Locked On Spartans, your daily podcast on the Michigan State Spartans, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Spartan friends, Spartan family, Locked on Spartans listeners, thank you so much for kicking off your day with us here at Locked on Spartans, your team in green and white five days a week here on the Locked on Podcast Network. You ever want to reach out? Any questions, comments? Uh, you just have life advice, I guess? LockedOnSpartans at gmail.com. Uh, definitely no shortage of mailbag questions for the offseason here. We might get into some on tomorrow's show, but for today... Just a few news and notes, a little bit of football, a little bit of basketball, and then, yeah, of course, a little bit of dodgeball here in segments two and three as MSU won their first national title on the hardwood, I guess you would call it. Um, Yeah, so we're joined by the captain of that team, but first, let's get down to brass tacks and talk about some news and notes from football. Um, Clear your calendars for the First weekend of September and the last weekend of August in 2028 and 2031, respectively, because, oh, that's right, those Western Michigan Broncos, oh, they couldn't get enough of that beat down in East Lansing last year, so they decided, hey, let's schedule two more games against those Spartans here. Um, yeah, so MSU will be starting their season in 2028 against Western Michigan and against Western Michigan again in 2031. Adjust your life uh, accordingly, I guess. Um, The 2031 game will be played by kids that are currently in fifth grade right now. So I hope those uh, children at Red Cedar Elementary School or what have you uh, were going a little harder today at recess than they normally do uh, because we got a big one against the Broncos coming up in eight years. Am I doing the math right on that? I think that's eight years for that one. So, um, yeah, there we go. Uh, Again, we played Western Michigan last year, as most of you remember. We also have Western Michigan on the schedule in 2025. Um, let's just go through some future schedules for Michigan State uh, this year. All right, 2023, simple. Central Michigan, Richmond, Washington. And the 2024 is more the wheelhouse that I like our Spartans in. It's Florida Atlantic, Louisiana, and then at Boston College, all right? A little bit of a drop-off there from Washington, who's a top 15 or a top 10 team this year, to Boston College. And then in 2025, Western, Youngstown State, Boston College, all at home. That's what I like to see. I'll get into that in a little bit here. But 2026, home against Toledo, home against Eastern, then at Notre Dame, and then 2027, Central Notre Dame. 2028, like we just said, Western Michigan, the 2029 and 2030 seasons. That's an Oregon home and home right now. Who knows if that'll eventually be a Big Ten matchup by the time that game rolls around. And then, against all odds, that 2031 game against Western Michigan is not the furthest scheduled game out in 2032. That's right. Our Spartans are going to meet the Stormin' Mormons of BYU all in, in nine years. So, again, clear your calendars for that one. But, yeah, you've heard me talk about this uh, early in the season. Maybe it was even the offseason last year. But, um... 
This was a hot debate topic between Michigan State fans and Michigan fans especially. It was, do you want a strong schedule or do you want a weak non-conference schedule? And, of course, look, before I go any further, I do love that Michigan State schedules these directional schools in the state of Michigan. I think it's great for the state. It makes tailgating a lot of fun. Certainly, Western Michigan gets a little boost to their athletics budget as well because Michigan State more than likely pays for this game. But um, just from the non-conference side of things here. I'm going to rehash this because let me have this one. All right. Uh, look, you you've, guys have seen me whiff on takes left and right uh, throughout the duration of this podcast, however long you've been listening to this. But there are some that we do get right. And unfortunately, I, I think we switched this last one home about the debate of non-conference scheduling of do you want some challenges in your non-conference or do you just want to play three high school grade teams laid out the argument last year early in the season, I said, well, it doesn't really matter how you get to either six wins for bowl eligibility or get to 11 or 12 wins for college football playoff eligibility. You just got to get there. And, well, Michigan State decided to go on the road to Washington. They got absolutely butchered out there. And, oh, instead of 6-6 six and six making a bowl game, you go 5-7. and seven. Whereas, well, Michigan over there, they played, what, Hawaii, UConn, and then, like, Dowagiak High School. Um... Okay, they had no problem going to the college football playoff. Now, of course, their Big Ten season, they ran the table. It ended up probably being irrelevant. They could have suffered a loss in non-conference play, but why would you put yourself out in harm's way for no good reason? Now, I will say, this does change in 2024 when it expands to a 12-team playoff because you're more, I guess, susceptible, or it's easier to just take a blow, I guess is the way I'll put it. It's easier to take a blow and lose a conference game or a non-conference game or two and still make that 12-team playoff format. But yeah, I am very excited to see Boston College on the schedule next year because that, that's going to be a gettable game. Whereas like Washington, if you've checked a lot of books, I think FanDuel also has this lineup right now. Michigan State is already home underdogs to Washington. So great, instead of like an automatic win against, I don't know, find a place for Dearborn Divine Child on your schedule. Here we are. Anyway, I'll stop crying. Um... 2028-2031 against Western Michigan. Other football news. Hamp Fay in the transfer portal. That's right. He is out of here. He was, of course, part of that 2021 recruiting class. He was a quarterback. And then once that wasn't going to work out, he was switched to safety. Once that wasn't going to work out, he was switched to tight end, which he played a little bit in high school. And now he is set to find greener pastures, hopefully somewhere where there's a lot more playing time for him. No matter where he went, uh, positionally at Michigan State, he kind of got buried on the death chart there. And after spring practice is wrapped up, uh, it's clear that Michigan State has a ton of tight ends. Actually, let's just talk about it. MSU has nine tight ends with Hamp Faye now gone. Nine tight ends on a single football roster. That is a lot. That is actually tied in the lead for most tight ends on a roster in the Big Ten East. Yes, I did look this up. Uh, Michigan actually also has nine tight ends on their roster. Uh, and not for the whole Big Ten, though. There is another team out there that has more tight ends on their roster than Michigan State and Michigan. Nebraska has 12. 12. 12. I'll say that one more time. They have 12 tight ends on their roster. So, yeah, um, this is all to say that, look, after Michigan State brought in a lot of tight ends in this offseason, after the spring practices all leveled out, Hamp probably realized that the playing time still wasn't going to come here in East Lansing, so hopefully he finds a place close to home back in Texas, a place that does have some playing time for him. No matter what position, it's clear that 
This guy can play a lot of different positions on a football field. So, yeah, hoping for the best for him. Um, that's just another kid, you know, you, you hear a lot of good things about and. You know, I'm not going to just be out here rooting against him. That'd be very mean. So what this means for Michigan State, though, is that they do have another scholarship to use in the spring transfer portal window. There we go. Nailed it. Um, in podcast past, especially recently, I've said, like, yeah, Michigan State has one or two, maybe three scholarships open. And the reason that number is so fluid that it's not a concrete number is no, not because I'm you know, just lazy and I'm just guessing. But there was a lot of mystery in the fall transfer portal about which kid is a scholarship player and which kid is a preferred walk-on. You know, guys like Jalen Franklin or Samar Melvin, Jaron Mangum even, uh, any of the defensive linemen that you got. Uh, th there is some mystery and, um, yeah, that, that's it. So I don't know if they're scholarship guys or preferred walk-on guys. They don't have to list that publicly. I'm sure they have to file something to the NCAA, but that that's why that's such a fluid number whenever I say it. So it's anywhere between... Two and four, maybe even five scholarship offers that MSU can have in the spring transfer portal window. Uh, before getting to the dodgeball side of things on this show. That's right. We, we touch all things Michigan State here. Uh, we're going to go to the hardwood in the NBA. We're just going to give a nod to Jaron Jackson Jr. Winner. That's right. Winner of the NBA Defensive Player of the Year Award. Uh, just a sensational season for the uh, Memphis Grizzly. And he got 56 out of the 100 first place votes, according to ESPN.com. And ESPN.com also mentions that he joins Alvin Robinson, Kawhi Leonard, and Dwight Howard as the only 23-year-olds to win the award. And that was a stark reminder to me that, yeah, Triple J is only 23 years old. I feel like he's been in the league forever and he's like a 28-year-old player, but no, this this kid is still a pup, still trying to, you know, learn the league and while trying to figure out the league is still winning defensive player of the year awards. Uh, he led the league in block shots with 3 blocks per game. My goodness gracious. And then the second consecutive season uh, where he is anchoring the NBA's third-ranked defense, giving up just 110.7 points per possession. So that's all courtesy of ESPN.com right there. Uh, Draymond Green was the last Spartan. And actually, yeah, the only other Spartan to win this award back in 2017. And just to check in on other Spartans in the NBA playoffs, Draymond Green... Probably going to a wedding sometime this summer. Wanted to work on his Cupid shuffle and then did uh, right foot this time. A little too hard on DeMontis Sabonis. Um, that's the only thing I could really think of for that whole kerfuffle. Um, maybe he saw a spider on Sabonis' chest and just wanted to get rid of that immediately. I don't know, but... Um I've learned a lot about myself the last 24 hours of just how great of lengths I will go to defend Draymond Green. Um, he could probably pull a knife out mid-game and start wheeling it at people. And I, I think I'm such a Draymond Green diehard fan that I would find a way to defend that. I just love my guy Draymond Green, for better or for worse. If that makes me a bad person, then well, I'm, just, I'm just a bad person then, I guess. Because I love Day Day. Sabonis shouldn't have been there. What do you want me to say? All right, we will be back in a hot second with some dodgeball talk. But hey, first, got to talk to the fine folks. That's right, I'm talking about you. About FanDuel Sportsbook. Grand slams, no hitters, and double plays are back. And there's no better place to get in on the MLB action than FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. If you have been riding this five-game win streak with the Tigers on FanDuel, congratulations for being the richest person in the entire world. I... Certainly did not see this coming, and I highly doubt anyone else did. Um, but hey, if you did, or if you foresee this winning streak for your Motor City Kitties going any further... 
FanDuel.com is the place to do it. And if you're a new customer, you can step up to the plate right now with a no sweat first bet up to $1,000. Just go to FanDuel.com slash locked on, sign up, place your first bet, and get up to $1,000 back in bonus bets if that first bet doesn't win. So do not miss your chance to get a no sweat first bet up to $1,000 when you join FanDuel today. Just go to FanDuel.com slash LockedOn to sign up. It's FanDuel, official partner of Major League Baseball. You can dodge a wrench. (laughs) I screwed that up already. We're going to try that one again. If you could dodge a wrench, you can dodge a ball, but you cannot dodge the greatness. That is Josh Kramer, yes, the captain of the undefeated national title Spartans. That's right. Josh, how on earth are we doing, man? Congrats on your awesome national title over the weekend. Yeah, thank you. It's uh, it's been a pretty crazy couple of days, but um, to call yourself a national champion, um, that's all you can ask for, I guess. I mean, playing for club dodgeball, MSU, everything. I mean, that's all we wanted the whole year, and to finally get it, it it means a lot. And we're gonna get into you know obviously the national title, uh, just your journey, how you even got here to begin with uh, on a club dodgeball team, but first. Let's just get this out of the way right now. How sick are you of people that make dodgeball references whenever you tell them that, yeah, I'm on the dodgeball team? Like, did that get old after the first week that you started telling people that you play club dodgeball or was it a little longer than that? Well, I always tell people it's the weirdest sport to say that, like, you play. Like, I tell people, you know, what do you do at MSU? Well, I play dodgeball. Well, you know, no one really expects that answer. But, no, I never get old dodge jokes. That movie is so good. And I, I mean, I watch it all the time. So anybody who comes up with something like that, I, I love it. Obviously, the movie is a little overdramatic, I would imagine. But what what does the movie actually get right about competitive dodgeball? Like, is there any any similarities between what you do and what yeah, happens I, in the movie? Okay. I think uh, obviously it's not as you know crazy as as a sport as they make it seem in the movie. Um, sure. <laughs> but it is it is just as intense, I'd say probably. Um, you know, with the rivalries, uh, with, you know, average Joes and, and the global gym, I mean, it, it becomes, you know, just as intense as, as anything. Um, but no, there's, it's very different, you know, same rules, but, um, okay. it, it's very different, but definitely love both for sure. And I've, you know, obviously high intensity, just like the movie as well. But let, let's talk about your season, and not just the season, but a nineteen and zero season that ended with the national championship. Mm-hmm. Not just national championship, though, it gets even more intense than that. In overtime against eleven-time national champion Grand Valley State, what were the emotions once you guys won? Was it one of relief or accomplishment, or just take me through your head after you guys won? I think for. Everybody was a little bit different, but most of us just kind of felt everything at the same time. I mean, this is what we wanted for the last four years. And for you know a lot of these people who wanted us to win, they've been wanting this for the last 20 years since we became a club. So to be able to get it on, to be able to go 19-0, and, um, and to do it for a bunch of different people, it was definitely kind of like a weight was lifted off our shoulders a little bit. Uh, it really meant a lot for us to kind of get it done um, the way we wanted to, to go undefeated, to, you know, beat Grand Valley, who obviously, like you said, has won so many times. Um, just means a lot to get it done the way we did. 
And what has it been like ever since returning to campus? Because if I was in your shoes, I'd be wearing that Michigan State Club dodgeball shirt everywhere. I'd be letting everyone know that we won the national title. I would let it get yeah. to my head extremely fast. But what has it been like for you just back in East Lansing? Has anyone, uh, you know, given you acknowledgement or anything? Yeah, I mean, obviously friends and family are, you know, reaching out and saying congratulations. Uh, friends that know you're on the team that see the posts on Instagram or Twitter or anything, reaching out like, oh, that's awesome, man. I can't believe you're in one and stuff like that. And I wore my championship shirt in class. So, you know, making sure those people know that I'm a national champion and stuff <laughs> like that. But um, definitely not not letting it go to my head, but it's hard not to kind of. I'd be wearing the shirt every single day until I graduate. I mean, so hey, yeah. credit to you for, you know, not doing it every single day so far. But um, like what is like is so you talk about rivalries. Would Grand Valley State be the top rivalry? Because as I was looking at the bracket and everything, it seems like a lot of these teams are not just, you know, northern part of the United States, but specifically in the Midwest as well. Is Grand Valley State at the top of the list or was there another team that sticks out even more than them? No, I think uh... Having Grand Valley, obviously, in the state of Michigan, um, we played them more than any team um, throughout the year. I think we played them four times this year. Um, wow. And this was the first year we've gone undefeated against them, um, which was big for us. Um, but, yeah, they're definitely our number one rival. Um, in years past, it's been other teams. But for the years that I was on the team, it was uh, definitely us and Grand Valley were the two biggest teams, two rivalries. Everybody wanted to see us play each other. And, you know, the last couple of years, they got the best of us. But um, it's nice to get it done when we can get it done against them. And getting it done in the national title game itself, of course, in overtime. Did that game go the way you thought it would? Was it going to be that close, in your opinion, going into it? Or was something different going on in the national title Um, game itself? Yeah, so we always play Grand Valley a little bit different. They always make some adjustments that, you know, gives takes us a second to figure it out. But every time we've played Grand Valley, at least the last two years, you know, they've kind of off to a hot start and gotten okay. points before we could, uh, you know, respond. And so did it happen the way I thought it was going to go? No. I mean, I wanted to, you know, beat them 4-0. And, you know, I, I, didn't want, I didn't want it to go to overtime and stuff like that, but it wouldn't be a Grand Valley versus Michigan State dodgeball matchup if it, you know, wasn't close. So the past two years, we played them in our um, Michigan dodgeball championship, and they came out um, and, and beat us up a couple points, and then we came back and ended up winning those two last year, or last year, and then this year we did the same thing. They came up, beat, were up 2-0, and we came back um, to beat them 3-2, and this year, you know, in the in the national championship, they came out and had one of the longest points that uh, we've ever played in. Um, beat up, came up and uh, got up one zero, and then we responded and kind of made it work. And lucky enough, got to overtime and were able to get it done. It, it, it was exactly how it should have ended for at least us seniors to get it done that way. Making it as stressful as possible was just exactly how. MSU versus GV usually is. And the announcers, too. I mean, this was streamed on YouTube. It's still up there. I'll yeah. try to remember to put it in the YouTube description below um, and podcast description for anyone that wants to watch. But yeah. the announcer said that it was yourself, uh, Jack Gerling, Bar- Barry Butler the third, and DQ McLean. Which, by the way, like yeah. Barry Butler the third and DQ McLean, all name team. Like that, that's incredible. Oh, but yeah. that you guys. Definitely. 
and and so not only is it awesome names, but you guys have awesome chemistry as well. The, I believe the announcer called you the core four of the team. How long yeah. have you four been playing together? Um, is this the first year you guys have banded together, or is this has this been a long time coming for you guys? Yeah, so we all started uh, our freshman year, so uh, the okay. 2019-2020 season, uh, we all showed up to um, play. We all made roster our freshman year and, and played in significant tournaments, but then we got cut short with COVID and, you know, kind of stayed in touch, but um, not a ton. We, you know, everybody stayed in touch with a couple guys, and uh, when we came back our junior year, all four of us wanted to come back, and couple others came back which was really helpful for us but um having us four come back and becoming leaders becoming captains and, and ignoring, um it really meant a lot and, and it would totally be a different year two years um if even one of us didn't come back gotcha. uh, and it left the other three so having us four all different types of players different types of people um with different you know strengths on the core and stuff like that we all complement each other really well. And next up is going to be just a series of just dumb questions from a dodgeball outsider, you know, because I, I did notice that you said Grand Valley State made some adjustments, and this is going to be probably the easiest dumb question, but there's more to dodgeball than just picking up a ball and throwing it as hard as humanly possible. There, there is, like, some strategy and almost, like, are there set plays that you guys yeah. run, or take me, take me through that? Yeah, it's not a... You know, I wouldn't call them set plays. It's not like basketball where you're okay. you know, trying to set a pick and roll or something like that. But um, it's really just comes down to uh, ball possession. So you play 12v12 um, with 10 balls, and it just comes to ball possession and making sure you're making smart throws. But you're trying to, you know, when it comes down to it, you're trying to hit as many people as you can, and you're trying to catch as many balls as you can. That's really all it comes down to. And um if you're the smarter, more disciplined team um, and you have the skill to win, that's usually the best strategy to do it. You just got to make sure you capitalize on it, just like any other sport. Um, it's a little bit funnier to say, you know, there's strategy in dodgeball, but there definitely is. And uh, any idea how fast you guys are throwing these balls? Because when I'm watching on YouTube, like I, I see some of these throws and like my tendons in my elbow are screaming at me just watching you guys do it like how how hard are these balls oh, flying screaming at right now i'm sorry what was that? so uh, i i said my tendons are screaming at me right now too so <laughs> um but no some some of these guys are uh throwing i don't know 60 70 miles an hour i mean it's way too fast whatever it is way too fast but, <laughs> that's screaming uh, yeah. no i mean yeah, there's a lot. There's a lot of different, you know, baseball backgrounds help a lot with these guys. Um, I played football, so I kind of feel like a quarterback a little bit differently. Not as fast as some of these guys like Barry Butler and, and Jack Gurley. Those guys throw probably the two best throwers in our league. Um, but you know, they they're throwing you know 60, 70, um, you know, as fast. They're throwing as fast as they can, and and most of the time it does work. Is, you know, throwing a dodgeball is a little different. And how often is it that you guys are getting people, you know, that are trying to join the team? They, they show up and they think it's like, oh, this will be great. It's just like recess. And then they see how actually competitive it is. And they're like, oh, no, I'm out. Like, no way. How often does that happen where people are a little surprised about how, how intense this is? 
Yeah, when when we had our fights this year, uh, right after each participation, we had uh, I think 120 people show up in okay. in IM services. You know, just one gym. Yeah, we were trying to, you know, play the side, you know, the smaller courts and have two games with 120 people. I mean, it is chaotic and so much fun for the people that show up because, I mean, dodgeball with 30 people on each team is is pretty fun. But once, you know, tell our guys, our turners to not throw very hard the first couple of days to we're not trying to it goes on. Um, you know, we, we try to show the new people what it is it's all about and making sure that like you're not signing up just to play high school dodgeball this is something that's legit and something yeah. that you know if you're if you're not where you so um you're trying to scare people you're trying to get people to show up so it's kind of there's a fine line. totally no it's totally it dwindles down pretty fast but um no we we were able to keep a good group this year uh, probably more than we ever have consistently come to practice which was really cool clearly a good enough group to win the national title go undefeated all that yep. good stuff so uh josh again thank you so much for all your time man and congrats on the national title and thanks for bringing another natty to michigan state first ever for the dodgeball program but yes goes on the long yeah. list of national titles at Michigan State. So thanks yeah. a lot, my man, and best of luck with, with everything in the future. Yeah, thank you. Thank you, and uh, really appreciate all you do. So if you ever need a guest, I'm always here. So thank you. There we go, man. You got it. Well, everyone, yeah. we will be back tomorrow. Lord knows what we're going to talk about. Uh, surely there will be some news in East Lansing. Uh, but, <laughs> hey, until then, give your lock on Spartans, your team in green and white every single day. Love you all. Go